welcome into our home and our hearts for Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We're doctors of psychology and the founders of Soul Shepherding. We offer conversations to help pastors and leaders thrive with Jesus in ministry. That's the point of all our seminars, counseling, retreats, and resources. A great way to get to know Soul Shepherding is through our book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, it's so awesome. I love Easter, Easter week, and Resurrection Day every Sunday. Resurrection of Christ is the foundation of our lives. Yes, it is. It's our joy and our power. We are so thankful for you, Jesus, and we just want your spirit to permeate everything about this soul talk. Praise you, Lord. We read in Mark 16 how. Mary Magdalene and some of the other women were going to the tomb, uh, and they wanted to anoint Jesus' dead body because they hadn't had time to do that. Because when Jesus uh, was crucified and buried, he went right into the Sabbath day, and so they all went uh, into their day of rest and grief, in this case, and hiding for fear of that they would be persecuted and tortured like Jesus was because they were his friends. So a lot of the fear, a lot of gloom going over the people, and then Mary and the other women discover the tomb is empty, and there's a a man dressed in white, an angel glowing, shining, and says, don't be alarmed, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Peter specifically mentioned there because of how he had denied Jesus and been so depressed and ashamed. Uh, And I'm reading from Mark's gospel here, which is likely Peter's gospel that Mark uh, heard him preach many times and recorded in the ancient way of documenting the author. Peter's name is mentioned at the beginning and the end of, of Mark. Go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And so those words, uh, he has risen, are the words that define our lives, their history and their spiritual reality right now around our bodies. Christ Jesus is risen from the dead and shining in glory and loving us, and he's doing wonderful things, and he's hoping that we will join him in what he's doing. I'm sitting here looking at a picture that you have printed out and taped up next to your desk of the three women at the empty tomb Mm -hmm. that helps you to live into this resurrection reality. Uh, It does. I heard Dallas Willard one time say he just tries to live with the cross of Christ on one side of his mind and the resurrection with the empty tomb on the other. And so that's why I have those two pictures there and the, the rhythm of Holy Week. I want to live into that. And these words, uh, he has risen, there are about 25 scriptures that one way or another say that. Uh, certain prophecies in the Old Testament, of course, the gospel readings like the one we just read, some of the epistles bringing us back again and again and again to the resurrection of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. One of my favorites is from Colossians 3. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, Mm -hmm. not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know, Bill, we got to see the movie I Can Only Imagine Friday night in the theater. And that song, I remember the first time I ever heard it, 
it helps me to set my mind on things in heaven in yeah. one sense. You know, the lyrics of the song, I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in mm. awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees? Will I fall? Mm. Will I sing hallelujah or will I even be able to speak at all? I can mm. only imagine. Mm-hmm. There's a, I, I remember just getting caught up in worship and enthralled with Jesus when I first heard this song because it did help me to anticipate and imagine that. Yeah, I, I felt like I was just uh, frozen in a state of grace. Mm. It just mesmerized me the first time I heard it. And I just listened to it again and again. And it was on the radio all the time. You'd hear it in the malls, uh, even on secular radio. And everybody was talking about it. And well, there's just such consolation that mm-hmm. God brought us through. I, I can only imagine. It was like the clouds parted and the heavens opened. And we just got this vision and this transporting into a, a feeling of being close to the Lord and being welcomed and his uh, smile upon us and uh, just got us thinking about heavenly things. Well, and I'm so thankful. I really believe the Holy Spirit anointed that song yeah. and Bart Millard and his writing of it. And mm-hmm. if, if you haven't seen the movie, I encourage our listeners, go see it. it. It's a great movie. But one of the things, Bill, we also recently listened to an interview of mm-hmm. Bart and his wife, Shannon, on Focus on the Family. And it was interesting to hear him say that at first when his dad died, he was just thinking all the time about heaven hmm. and he was imagining heaven, you know, and that was a part of writing this song and that was good. But he does go on to say that there was a sense into which he wasn't experiencing the resurrection life in his life in its fullness yet. Yeah, because he put down, he described his grief like he experienced it like garbage and he just put it down the disposal, just shoved it down there and didn't really want to deal with it. Uh, He did forgive his dad and have some very important conversations with his dad before his dad died as he was actually caring for his dad Mm -hmm. in those later years. And and in the movie, we we see how he says that his dad who had been this monster all of his life that that literally beat him three to four times a week. And we learned in the interview that a major reason for this was because his dad had an accident and there was some brain injury. And so he was a different person. And he's just was this rageaholic. And yes. Bart just lived in fear every day uh, of his dad. And if, and if it was a day where his dad didn't beat him, it was a good day. You know, and he just mm-hmm. lived for that. And, uh, but there was some significant healing and forgiveness that happened before his dad died. Mm-hmm. And then he said that his dad went from being this monster that he hated and feared to being this kind person who he loved and didn't want to lose and who was the man he wanted to be. But those times were cut short and then his dad was in heaven. And so then that was what inspired I can only imagine uh, being in heaven, not just with resuming his relationship with his dad, but primarily seeing Jesus mm-hmm. face to face and, and, you know, his dad glorified and, and all of that. So, yeah, it's just an incredible story. But even with that great work that the Lord did in Bart there that inspired the song, what plays out, particularly in the interview in this, their life story, he and his wife, Shannon, and then they had five kids together, is that, well, he didn't deal with things. For those of you who know the, the Enneagram, he's probably an Enneagram seven, who are the, the, they're the happy ones that are just the life of the party and they, they want to avoid pain and always make people uh, feel good and laugh and focus on the positive things and always planning the next adventure and drawing people into that and that sort of thing. And that's Bart's personality. And so the downside of that is that they, they avoid pain. And so he fell back into that pattern that he 
learned as a child. And so in the years of their, their marriage and their family and as their band Mercy Me was having just incredible success, he was, uh, what he's saying, he's pretty disconnected from his emotions. And there was an incredible emotional distance between the two of them in their marriage. And the kids had a, a dad who was just traveling and busy all the time. And, you know, it's like, you know, daddy's never home. And, and when he would come home, sometimes he'd just sit depressed in a chair. This is something we hear from a lot of people. Yeah, I'm thinking of a, a pastor who was working at a mega church and uh, was a rising star there. He was the number two pastor, and he was just so consumed with the ministry of the church and doing God's work and, and the success he was having, the people he was reaching, and, but you know, he was overworking. And one day he overheard his little boy talking with a friend saying, yeah, my daddy is a pastor, and he works really hard in the church, and he comes home, and he's just so tired, he goes to sleep on the couch. You know, and then the other boy says, oh, well, my daddy does such and such, and and the, the pastor's kid says, well, I wish my daddy did that. Mm. And so this uh, friend of mine, this pastor, overheard this conversation. And that was the thing that was a tipping point for him to say, enough. Mm-hmm. I am going to set boundaries. And he did something really drastic. He took what he describes as a free fall. Mm-hmm. And he, he left his, his job and he went on a six-month sabbatical and just uh, rested and uh, decompressed and prayed and met with a small group that he led. And then after his sabbatical, that led to a house church, which led to a church he planted. And uh, he does church in a very different way. And so, yeah. Uh, a really. very deep way. It's brought a lot of transformation, not only from his transformation, but others. It's a discipleship to Jesus church that's very oriented to spiritual formation and soul care. Uh, yeah, this pastor couple is close. Friends of Soul Shepherding, really appreciate them and the way they do church. Yeah, and I'm so proud of them and also of Bart and Jan and sharing their story and being vulnerable and honest like they are. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of courage. Really respected them for that and in the way that you can see they've done their work. They are living into resurrection as you have defined that, that we live into that reality. It requires gospel imagination. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Uh, well, it means reading and meditating on the gospels and like we talked about last week on Soul Talks, so looking into the eyes of Jesus and seeing his face. We just really need to let the scriptures lead us into prayer, into conversation, into intimacy with God, into this interaction. So, yeah, we need to imagine Jesus and imagine him uh, with his shining face of compassion. Imagine his mercy and the way he treats people and say, okay, that is God. God is like Jesus. And bring that perspective into every scripture passage we read and every event in our life and to remind ourselves this is history and this is spiritual reality right now living in my body and at work all around my body wherever I am. One of the things I remember Dallas our mentor saying that was helpful to me with this with gospel imagination is saying you really should believe that anything you read or see in the Bible is possible for you to experience now. Mm -hmm. You can live and experience any of the things that the disciples, you know, and and the leaders and and saints in the Bible experience. Yeah. So I ask myself, you know, Bill, are you living in the world where a virgin birth happens? Are you living in the world where someone could be raised from the dead? And that's where I want to (laughs) be. And then to live into the reality of our resurrection, 
requires emotional honesty with a soul shepherd or an ambassador of Christ. And we see that in Bart and Shannon's story mm-hmm. behind the success of I Can Only Imagine. There's a lot of heartache. Yeah. You know, it's a story that, Christy, you and I have just heard countless times in the 30 years of our ministry as doctors of psychology and this last decade as in our soul shepherding ministry to pastors and leaders. We just hear it over and over, you know, people who achieve success and Outwardly, we look at these people and and it's like, wow, we might be jealous. We might wish we could have that or we might just admire them so much. And and there is uh, much to admire, but there's often a huge price that's being paid for that influence Mm -hmm. and that accomplishment and, and that success. And sometimes what looks so good on the outside is not so on the inside. And that was the case for Bart and Shannon. That's what they talk about, that the impact that that success had on their family was really tough. He was traveling all the time when... Well, they were traveling all the time. Then they had children. So she stayed home with the kids. They had five kids. And, you know, she resented him going out and having fun is how it felt to her. Right. And she felt, felt like, you know, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. And there, there were, they were living separate lives at that point. You just you lose touch. You're just trying to cope. You're just trying to make it through. They had a series of tragedies all in one year where uh, one of them was the death of her brother. And Bart really felt to blame himself for that. Yeah, because they'd had a conflict right before. Yeah, and so there was a lot of stress, and and their way of coping with that was busyness Mm -hmm. and distraction, which is common in our world today. Yeah, and just pouring themselves into the ministry because so many people are being reached for the Lord and drawn to to Jesus, uh, becoming Christians, growing in their discipleship, living lives to to honor the Lord. And so it's it's so important, uh, sharing the gospel and uh, blessing people in Jesus' name. And so it's consuming. Yeah. And then with his relationship with his dad and needing to try to being trained by behavior to try to please his dad, to avoid, Mm -hmm. you know, his dad's wrath. I mean, that affects your relationship with God and your image of God. And so he really was focused on trying to please God too. And not fully having received God's grace mm-hmm. and love. And, and he talks about that and how, you know, that was a, another transformational experience for him when he realized that. Yeah, even having written the song, I Can Only Imagine, mm-hmm. and, and other songs, Word of God Speaks, mm-hmm. so many, that's yeah. just so anointed. Yes. And uh, minister such a deep intimacy with the Lord to us and open us up to be in the Lord's presence and receive his love. And yet uh, the, the author and singer of the song was struggling with deep shame. Mm-hmm. That's what he's telling us. Mm-hmm. And there was this in- incredible gap, this emotional distance and resentment that Bart and Shannon were struggling with in their marriage. And their kids, as we said, are feeling like, you know, daddy's never home, or when he is, you know, he's depressed. And, and so there's a lot of pain and heartache and distance and conflict in the family. So I'm so grateful that Shannon was wise and courageous to seek out a soul shepherd. Yes. She went to counseling. Mm-hmm. And she threw that wooed Bart in to counseling. Wo- wooed is an interesting way to put it. <laughs> well, she, she said to him, I, you know, I want you to come see what the work I'm doing. And he thought of it as like, oh, I'm going to go see your crafts, you know. And, like show and tell. And, yeah. And so he went and I was really proud of him. He recognized that within his first visit, oh, there's something for me here that I need mm-hmm. too. And then he spent five years working through, you know, being uh, emotional honesty. And then mm-hmm. you also say here, which is so important, that to live into the reality of resurrection also means corrective emotional experiences. Yeah, we're summarizing three things. What does it mean to live into your resurrection? 
Well, you need a gospel imagination. Uh, you need emotional honesty, authenticity, vulnerability, and then you need uh, corrective emotional experiences. And so Shannon found that in counseling. Uh, she went without Bart, I think it was for a couple of years, and uh, just dealing with a lot of issues uh, behind all the success that Mercy Me was having. And and then she, as you said, got brought Bart in, and then uh, she she stepped out, and he and he stayed with it. Uh, and that was where he was so courageous to to do that because he had to get past all that denial he was raised with. And so he did his grief work more deeply uh, with his relationship with his dad. And the movie shows the beginning parts of that, but we're talking now about the the, the deepening of that years later. And uh, he there was a youth pastor that came to him, his former youth pastor came to him later in life during the height of his success uh, with Mercy Me and said, you know, you keep working for God and calling it obedience. And that really got Bart's attention. He's like, wait a minute, nobody talks to me that way. Mm-hmm. And But he was humble. Mm-hmm. And he, he put two and two together and the things his wife had been telling him and his kids and, and how his family was suffering. And so, uh, you know, he did the grief work. He did the deeper work of forgiveness towards his father. And he says it in counseling, you know, there were lots of tears and he describes his uh, female therapist as someone just so caring and such a woman of God. And so he was having corrective emotional experiences. He was having experiences of letting the, the little boy in him out to be vulnerable and expressive and to receive grace and compassion from the Lord through his counselor. And this was healing for him. So important. So grateful that he did that. And we're benefiting from his living that, you know, through his continued ministry. Yeah, you know, I, I won't be surprised if God ends up doing more through the movie than the song, you know, yeah. and, and it's because the movie is telling the story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe there's just a whole expanded uh, ministry here for Bart and Shannon to be telling their story. Uh, and because we can really relate to that that story and the brokenness in their lives and their marriage and their family. And I just love the courage that they came to where they said, look, you know, Bart said, my family has to win. It's not about, you know, often we talk about balance between uh, work and home or family and ministry. And he says, you know, it's not about balance. My family has to win. And he just reckoned with the fact that in the, that early uh, 10 to 12 years, as they talk about it in, in their family, there it was the family was not winning. The career, the ministry was winning. And so they set some big boundaries on their schedule and the number of concerts that they do and, and uh, been protecting that for the sake of their, their souls and their marriage and their family and we love it. That's what soul shepherding is about, is really seeking that, that renewal and healing from the Lord. And, and that's, that's our story, too. We don't have time to go into it now, but we sure relate to that, don't we? We really do. And I think it's one of the other things I really liked was Jim Daly had said, the Lord owns your testimony. Yeah. And Bart and Shannon are living that, letting the Lord own their testimony. And the Lord owns our testimony, too, Bill. And that's why we know that this Living into resurrection comes out of gospel imagination and emotional honesty with Soul Shepherd and corrective emotional experiences because that's our testimony. That's what God has led us through, through working through our own portions of baggage and our own sin and our own brokenness and woundedness and our own, you know, defensive personality postures. I'm so thankful, honey, that you helped me early on when our kids were little with uh, setting some uh, major boundaries on on my work because I was. I was uh, on a path like Bart's, perhaps, and haven't had anywhere near that kind of success, of course, but I was charting my own course there, and it was, uh, you and the kids were paying a price. It was 
this is before uh, Brianna was born, and uh, you really helped me to get centered in, and we, we live differently, and, th- and that's really benefited us in our, our marriage and in our family and in my soul. So, wow. Thank yeah. you, honey. That was such a, a, a wonderful example you gave me. So uh, blessed and loved by your humility and your earnestness to love well, such that you you really took a hit and a sacrifice by taking your dream and your career and putting it on the altar to really entrust it to the Lord and to make sure that you were loving your neighbor as yourself. And that neighbor was me and our kids. And so I thank you for that. And I just rejoice in the fruit of who our children have become and um, in our life and ministry that has been birthed out of your character through all that. And it took us some counseling to get there, it didn't did. it? It did. It took us many years of counseling as well. Yeah. So we're thankful. You want to pray for our listeners? Oh, God. I can only imagine what it will be like to be face-to-face with you, Jesus. We all join in those words, Lord, and uh, we want to live more into that hope of resurrection, of heaven, and into the spiritual reality that the heavens, your presence, Lord, your shining face of love is right here in our midst, and we can begin to, to learn to live there with you and with one another now. We thank you, Jesus. You are risen from the dead. You are living and breathing all around us, even within our bodies and souls. We love you, Lord. We look to you for your grace and your strength and that we might be your ambassadors, that we might be your messengers of grace and truth, of service to the people around us. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bill and I are so grateful to you, our soul shepherding friends, and we love hearing from you. And so I want to give a call out to Shane and Melissa, our church planners. They wrote, thank you, Bill and Christy, for your podcast on rest. We're learning how to rest without feeling guilty and challenging ourselves like you and Bill on our date night to talk only about us. Mm. We love to hear this feedback and hear how you guys are taking to heart what God has has taught us. And um, thank you. We're honored. Soul Talks is about uh, deep heart-to-heart conversations, not just with your spouse, but with a friend. So we're thankful for that story. That's what we want, want to be doing. Happy Easter. Thank you for being a part of our Soul Shepherding community. Do you receive our weekly devotional emails? They're inspiring and free. You can sign up on soulshepherding.org. We love hearing your comment, questions, and requests for podcast topics. It's also a blessing when you share Soul Talks with a friend.